Coming to you live and local from the Quarter Shoot Cafe at Emerald Downs. This is the Win Play Show. Now, here's your host, Joe Withy. Good morning and welcome to the Win Play Show. Thanks for joining us right here on KJR 950 AM. It's just after 8 AM, 8 to 9 every Saturday and Sunday morning on the Win Play Show. Joe Withy and Rob Rao at the Quarter Shoot Cafe. Of course, a gloriously beautiful morning in the Pacific Northwest. Racing at Emerald Downs at 2 p.m. after our first Fab Friday. Hey, Rob, we got to talk about Good morning, Rob. Good morning to you, Joe. How are you doing this morning? Hey, pretty fair. It's hard not to be too good on a nice morning like this. A race day, weekend number four at Emerald Downs. And uh, as I started to say about Fab Friday, we had just a great crowd last night. Uh, first Friday night racing course, that's 6.30 every Friday night here at Emerald Downs. Uh, the first one always uh, is pretty darn popular because we give away that T-shirt with your paid admission, and that T-shirt's good for free admission. The rest of the meet on Friday nights, that is, and uh, that's a good deal. And, uh, you know, I don't know, what do you think, white T-shirts or black T-shirts? Those are about the most popular. This is a white T-shirt. It looks good. Yeah, it looks good. We've had a good, uh, like you said, we've had a lot of good reception with the uh, Friday night uh, T-shirt giveaways, and uh, last night was no exception. Outstanding crowd and some outstanding races yesterday, Joe. Some uh, great fields, some great pouts, and uh, a little bit surprised to see that the Pick 7 got hit uh, last night. They paid a little over 16600 so congratulations to the to the lucky uh Holder of that ticket, and uh, we'll start anew with the uh, pick seven today. Indeed, yeah, the jackpot pick seven. We had one ticket holder, and uh, to add a little drama to the intrigue, and uh, at the end of the day, the end of the evening, there was a dead heat in the seventh and last race between Royal Tail and Trelawney, and uh, nobody had a ticket on Royal Tail. But there was a ticket on Trelawney and a ticket on the Gold Monkey going into the race. So even though there was a dead heat, two winners in the last, there was still only one ticket holder that had all seven winners. Excuse me. And you mentioned that payoff. It was a big one. We had a good handle out. You know, I don't even know what the handle was last night. I didn't see it yet. But uh, 16600 in the payoff, and the ticket was purchased at Emerald Downs as well. That's uh, outstanding. That was on track, and like mm-hmm. you mentioned, the uh, the winner of that uh, ticket had to uh, kind of sweat out that photo there because Royal Tail, who looked beaten with about a, a few hundred yards to go, kind of really put his head out in front and was able to to get a share of his victory with that dead heat, like you mentioned in the finale last night. But like you mentioned, the the uh, the uh, patron that had the winning ticket had Trelawney and. Uh, Got the dead heat and got the scoop the pool. So uh, congratulations to that uh, that lucky patron. Yeah, 90-year-old trainer Bob Meeking conditioned 11-year-old Trelawney to uh, Trelawney's 21st career victory. That horse has been outstanding. He joined the 20-win club at Emerald Downs last summer. And uh, Fred and Cindy Desimone, proud owners of 11-year-old Trelawney, and Julian Kutanabort. Yeah, at the wire, I, I thought, uh, wait, Trelawney's going to win. Or, you know, going up to the wire. Trelawney's going to win. And what, uh, Yeah, what, wait a minute. What just happened there? I, I still thought he might have won, but then. I, was, I wasn't so sure initially. I thought, if anything, it was going to be maybe a dead heat. But I I, I wasn't sure. I kind of was kind of with you. I think I was with the most, the, the majority, in thinking that Trelawney um, had the victory. But uh, Royal Tail 
just kind of really d dug back in and, and put put his head down at the wire. I think it kind of surprised our uh, track announcer, Tom Harris, a little bit too because he kind of called Royal Tail coming back on just at the very end there and uh, a very game effort by two horses and uh, uh, a pretty surprising outcome, honestly, because it looked like at the top of the stretch Trelawney was going to win uh, pretty convincingly, but uh, Royal Tail was not going to have any part of that. And it was, a, it was a nice effort by both those horses. And uh, it was some very good races yesterday, Joe. Blame it on Royce, ran a very good race. And uh, Wine at 9, who did get, end up going off as the slight favorite over him, ran a good race to run second in there. So there were some good races, and I would imagine that we're going to see uh, some big things from a lot of those horses coming back uh, later on in the season. Yeah, really good racing last night. Field size was eight horses a race. Uh, and the pick five had a big handle last night, too. The pick five, I noticed there was one ticket that was going to pay 25000 in the pick five. Cody's Choice, the only favorite in the pick five sequence, races three through seven. He won very easily for trainer Vince Gibson, jockey Gary Wales in race three. And after that, no favorites did win, including the dead heat in the last. The gold, the gold Monkey was the slight favorite over Trelawney in the seventh. So, uh, yeah, and the Jimmy Vegas band was out by the winner's circle. Uh, they were playing some great tunes. Uh, people were having a good time. The weather was nice. We got off to a super start for our Friday night racing. Again, racing today at 2 p.m. We'll talk about that. And uh, tomorrow's the big day of the weekend. Uh, Friday night was pretty good. But tomorrow's Mother's Day, so remember Mom, first of all. And uh, so many moms will be out at Emerald Downs. We have uh, just a tremendously famous buffet now. The Mother's Day buffet is outstanding. And uh, the, the building is packed, by the way. Uh, there aren't any seats available for the buffet. But it's going to be nice outside. I guess it's going to be about 80. And uh, we have so many free outdoor areas and free areas indoors, for that matter. First come, first serve. Uh, and one thing we've been doing on Mother's Day, we have all these prize drawings, local uh, friends of Emerald Downs and uh, vendors and uh, uh, local businesses. They donate uh, prizes, uh, gift cards, and just all kinds of different prizes. So those names will be drawn out of the big hopper throughout the afternoon for some extra gifts for mom tomorrow on Mother's Day at Emerald Downs. And just a week away is the Preakness. We're going to be talking with track announcer Dave Rodman. He has had some memorable calls in the Preakness uh, over the years. He's been calling the race, I know, since the 90s. I think it's the earlier 90s. And Dave's going to join us as uh, Pimlico is in action back in Baltimore. He'll join us in a few moments. And Debbie Pabst also going to join us this hour. This is the Win Place Show. And Debbie has a whole lot to talk about. Her and her husband, Rick, of course, operate Paps Blue Ribbon Farm in Buckley and have since the 70s. And uh, they've received just about every award that you can get here in Washington and continue to breed tremendous horses. They have studs at the farm as well, Attaboy Roy and Nationhood. They didn't have studs for quite a while, but uh, Attaboy Roy and Nationhood standing there. They syndicate horses. Uh, Debbie operates the Washington Broodmare Program. So we have a lot to talk about with her, and uh, I know you're going to uh, pick a winner at Belmont. They have a nice card today, too, the Man a, of War, right? The, the Man of War as well as the Peter Pan, a, a traditional prep for the uh, Belmont Stakes. And, um, yeah, outstanding card at Belmont today. Some uh, great uh, simulcast action from across the country as well. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll come back with track announcer from Pimlico, Dave Rodman, right here, KJR 950 AM. You're listening to The Win Play Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR. 
Now back to the Win Play Show with Joe Withy and Rob Rowe on Sports Radio KJR. The Win Play Show on a Saturday morning, the Quarter Shoot Cafe here at Emerald Downs. And of course, it is open and uh, open to the public as well. Uh, lots of groups come in here at the Quarter Shoot Cafe. Uh, you can park right next to the building, pretty darn close, right on the west side of the building. And the building is located just north of the Emerald Downs building on Ron Crockett Drive right here on our property. And uh, just show your license when you come in. And you can come into the kitchen area and look at all the racing memorabilia. Have a great breakfast. What a menu. It's a huge menu. And the prices are very reasonable. Porter Shoot Cafe, one great tradition at Emerald Downs. Uh, next Saturday, we're going to have Preakness pran- Pancakes. Easy for me to say. Preakness Pancakes is a tradition around here. It's on Preakness morning, and it is a free pancake breakfast. There's bacon, too, and that adds to a breakfast. So come in through the paddock gate at 9 a.m., and the paddock gate is located immediately north of the big grandstand building, right adjacent to it pretty much. That gate will be open. You can come in, have breakfast. We'll have some racing information for you. And, uh, boy, if it's morning like today, it's going to be a nice event. It'll be a nice event anyway. What am I saying? I'm getting into trouble here, Rob. Uh, But Preakness Pancakes next week. And, of course, uh, the Preakness Steaks to be run next Saturday, May 19th. Second jewel in the Triple Crown. Just a week away. Justify looking to race further into history. He's undefeated. Who's the only horse that has gone through the Triple Crown Series undefeated? Seattle Slough. There you go. I knew that was a slam dunk for you. Not even American Pharaoh. American Pharaoh won, lost his uh, career debut, correct? That's right. Yeah. So it's uh, Del Mar, and then uh, I believe Ohm was the winner of that race, and then uh, went through the entire Triple Crown Series, won the Haskell, and then uh, came up a little bit short in the Travers, and then won the Breeders' Cup Classic and went out a winner. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Wiener Dog races are coming up on Sunday, July 8th. Corgi races on August 5th. And uh, I think we just saw a press release that Santa Anita is going to have corgi races as well. Interesting. Smart of them. Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. How about that crowd for the corgis last year? Oh, my gosh. The track was packed. So uh, just to do a little bit of extra entertainment in between races on some of these days. And next Sunday is going to be one of those days because we're going to have the camel, ostrich, and zebra races next Sunday at Emerald Downs, May 20th. So get the family out for that. You can get pretty close to those animals, too, at the south end of the track apron there uh, that day of. And actually, they'll be there the day before, too. So you can take the kids up and get a close look at camels, ostriches, and zebras. And they're going to race on the track with people on their backs. And, uh, yeah, that was a very popular event, too. It's uh, quite a show. Uh, we're waiting to get a hold of Dave Rodman. Uh, let's look at a little bit at Emerald Downs today, an eight-race card starting at 2 p.m., and we're going to start fresh in that 20-cent jackpot pick seven wager. So the pick seven will start in race number two today. Uh, And we had uh, second favorites or beaten favorites so far this year at Emerald Downs. Two favorites last night, three second favorites. And that's just a stat thing. Let's take a look at that uh, seventh race, Rob. That is for older horses at six and a half furlongs, the Muckleshoot Casino Purse. And, of course, Howard Barkley raced Howard Barkley. How'd you like that one? You know, I caught myself. I could have just kept good. going. Yeah. Howard Belvoir raced uh, the press with Barkley 
quite a few times last year. And a lot of times it was to make sure that there was some pace in the race. And, and the press had one of those four-year-old years where he didn't win after having a huge three-year-old season. Well, the press is five now. And uh, he's not in with Barkley. And by the way, Barkley's in against Mach 1 rules tomorrow. What a, probably the greatest rivalry in track history. Uh, anyway, that is a solid race. Uh, Bet the Harbor comes off a great win for trainer Mary Perrone uh, in his seasonal debut here. He won very nicely two weeks ago. Hot Bobby and Remember to Breathe. Those horses seem to fire every time here at Emerald Downs for trainer Terry Gillahan. Remember to Breathe is, is uh, based out of Canada, but uh, he's won here three years in a row, 15, 16, and 17. I'm going with him, okay? Remember to Breathe. He, he's this, Interesting. He usually comes in off one race when he comes in here and wins. So he's right. coming in fresh this time. That's a little different, but he's got that natural stalking ability at any distance. And I do believe all three of his wins here are flat mile. I, I think I looked that up yesterday. So that's a little bit of a stretch. Well, how are you seeing that well, seventh Well, race? I think Remember to Breathe definitely fits in here. Like you mentioned, um, he might be a little bit better going a mile. Um, this is a shorter abbreviated distance for six and a half, but he'll be, uh, he is firing off fresh off a layoff, so maybe he fits the uh, router sprinting fresh kind of lay um, angle. He is one for seven at the distance, which isn't uh, any great shakes, but... You did yeah. mention the press on class alone. He is the horse to beat. He was running a much tougher races. Um, you look back at his past performances. If he runs back to some of these other races, I think he's going to be a very short price in here. Um, but you do have to kind of wonder that if he hasn't won in a while, if he kind of knows his way back to the winner circle. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to let him beat me in multi races. But uh, I would think maybe on the win end. Um, you know, remember the breathe very much is a is a viable contender in here. I thought Tiz Jolie, even though he doesn't have a lot of early speed, some of his back races definitely make him a big contender in here as well. Um, I, I would have to think that the press, though, is uh, very much the horse to beat. Um, but I'm with you. I kind of think that uh, I don't I, I wouldn't be that confident in wanting to single him in, in multi-race wagers. Yeah, Tiz Jolie, the one horse making his Emerald Downs debut, as well as number four, Estica. Tis Joe Lee off since last summer, last fall, down in California. Estica has been running and winning one race down at Turf Paradise in Phoenix in February and has been placed twice since then. So some intrigue there. Hot Bobby, wow. Terry Gillahan started him at a mile first out last June, and the horse ran huge, beating the nose. Uh, he had just solid effort after solid effort. They were all at a flat mile last year, so... He's going to be sprinting as well. Okay. Hey, we got in touch with Dave Rodman, track announcer at Pimlico. Uh, They have racing today, so he's busy. But uh, let's get ready to go to the East Coast and track announcer Dave Rodman. Who begins to roll at the top of the stretch? It's hard spun the one to catch. CP West and Street Sense is coming with the slides in the center of the track. Street Sense and Curlin now emerging to the front. Hard spun CP West with one for long to go. Calvin Morrell and Street Sense, the Kentucky Derby winner. Curlin courageous and chasing home. Curlin on the outside. Curlin's courageous. Street Sense trying to hold. Final finish. It could go to Curlin. Curlin, I think I buy another street sense. Hard spun was third. A final finish and a frantic finish there in the Preakness Stakes. 
Yeah, and a very exciting 2007 Preakness due to the finish and the quality of the field. Dave Rodman called the action, and we have Dave this morning right here live on KJR 950 AM, the Win Play Show. Dave, good morning. Hey, good morning. Sorry, I'm a little late to the gate there. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I had a little more schooling. I needed some more schooling before I got out of the gate in time for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave, uh, good to have you on. We've had you on several times before. Uh, the big race coming up next week. Uh, and just a little recap of that 07 Preakness. Uh, you probably have that one fairly fresh in your mind, huh? Yeah, that was an exciting finish among many. Silver Charm, Captain Bodger Treehouse in 97 was one of my favorites. Mm. Never know what you're going to get at the Preakness. A, a photo finish amongst two or three horses, an exciting stretch run, or maybe a runaway winner like Big Brown did in 2008, or American Pharaoh's romp after a thunderstorm here at Pimlico back uh, in 2015, leading to his next run, of course, at Belmont in a triple crowd. Yeah, you got to call part of that Triple Crown uh, a couple years ago with American Pharaoh. Does this year, does this year right now feel a little bit like 2015 and that a Bob Baffert horse that's super hot uh, won the Derby and is coming in and is going to be a strong favorite uh, in the week? It, yeah, it, it did until, you know, you factor the fact that Boltoro was, you know, um, a possibility and, and good magic uh, as well from Chad Brown. So I think if we get those two horses, you know, you'll have a legitimate situation where you might balk a little bit and say it's just not a walkover, uh, for, so to speak, for, for Justify. Um, you know, we'll find out at the post draw on Wednesday. Um, but I'm hoping that both of those horses show up here on uh, next Saturday. Yeah, I, I think most racing fans do as well, just to – give Justify some competition because right now after that huge win and he remains undefeated and uh, this race is a little bit shorter. Uh, Hey, it is the Preakness Stakes. It's a classic. He'll certainly certainly be uh, odds on with mm -hmm. or without those two, I would think. At least I I would think that he'll be lying obviously less than than even money uh, in the race. But, uh, you know, it it could shape up to be even though a, a smaller field uh, an exceptional field of runners, and maybe we've seen we're going to see one of the greats. Uh, that's that's possible. Uh, you know, we've had big fields, we've had small fields. I was talking about the other day with someone. You know, you just remember back in the seventies, the fields were fairly short and yeah. and a spectacular bid. I mean, he was a dime to a dollar. The longest shot runs up <laughs> to clunk up at the exact to, to finish second in there. And we've had big fields with horses winning from the outside post positions like Rachel Alexandra. And so um, with that long run to that first turn here at Pimlico, they started upper stretch of the 316. So they've got 316 to the finish line and another approximate 16th of a mile before they hit the uh, the first turn. So, uh, yeah, we do the post position draw as a, uh, you know, obviously a bit of fanfare and a little bit of a celebration. But you can win, I think, from any post here. Sure. Yeah. The, as a handicapper, if you've got a mile and a sixteenth, even at our track, which is a flat mile, uh, you know, you can imagine a horse getting a decent trip to the first turn and talk about a mile and three sixteenths. Yeah. Wow. A lot of history uh, through that track at uh, Old Hilltop in Baltimore. You mentioned Rachel Alexandra. What a year that was, 2009. And, of course, you also called the great Smarty Jones back in 2004, Dave. 
Yeah, Smarty Jones, Rachel out. Those are a couple of my favorite frequencies along uh, along with uh, Silver, along with Silver Charm. Yes, indeed. Uh, Dave Rodman, our guest, he's track announcer at Pimlico and Laurel. And uh, you know, there's things in the news the last couple of years that uh, Pimlico is not the centerpiece of racing in the Baltimore area. That Laurel is a nicer track, and uh, but Pimlico has the tradition. Um, what's the latest on all that? I mean, there's nothing in the news that says Pimlico is going away right now, correct? Uh, well, there have been some recent stories uh, in the Baltimore Sun and other papers, and I think it's well known. I think, you know, you'll see the Preakness here through at least next year. A lot of work is being done right now at Laurel Park. I mean, uh, some brand new uh, dining rooms, uh, ma- making it much more modern. You, you can't find old analog uh, tube TV in the building. Everything is flat screen HD now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot to go, though. You know, a lot to go before we can say, okay, let's jump and move it from here to there. A lot depends on what happens with the stadium authority study and uh, what happens uh, with state, I think, help and then private help in the future. Because tearing down this building, as ancient and grand as it is, um, it just doesn't really, it doesn't doesn't have the bones, so to speak, uh, to hold as many people in comfort as it used to. Now, on the other hand, you know, for keeping it at Pimlico, the infield is a massive city here now. Um, There's a big main concert stage in the center. Um, there are lots of tents. The turf side terrace is one furlong long, which is, I think, the best seat in the house if you're ever coming to Baltimore to watch the race. You're literally within 10 yards of the turf course there uh, and almost reach out and touch the horses. You're not right up against the rail, but as close as you can be. It's not like those old video you see, or excuse, films you see of horses touching the horse, people touching the horses in the old days. But it's really close. And it, the infield, obviously, is flat. It's dry. And it fits tens of thousands of people. So that's a positive for Pimlico. And I think maybe we can work around it and hopefully do something with the main building to make it more comfortable uh, for a world-class event that the Preakness really is and what it means to Baltimore. Uh, but I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know the politics of it, but it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting year and a half. Fair enough. Dave Rodman, our guest. And, yeah, I was thinking about infields. You went over Pimlico's infield, which uh, I, I see the attendance last year at the Preakness was 140,000. Uh, is Laurel's infield capable of holding uh, thousands of people? Well, yeah, that's what I really should have mentioned a second ago. Because the Laurel infield is is not – it's basically um, – it's a, 30% of it is a lake. Sure. Uh, and the rest of it is low-lying ground below the turf course. So here the turf course and the infield are exactly the, the same topography. Now uh, there at that Laurel, um, it would be very, very tough to put uh, tens of thousands of people into the infield um, just because of the way that, that the track is laid out. On the other hand, you know, Laurel's a mile and an eighth. This is a one-mile track. The dirt track is a mile and an eighth. And the tur- we have six configurations on the turf course there. Um, and the turf course is twice as wide as the one at Pimlico. Mm. And if you've ever seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, and they- we can run six different configurations, use two wire finishes instead of the standard static first wire finish. Um, so there are some differences, a lot of differences, between Pimlico and Laurel. 
Fair enough. Uh, and Dave Rodman, his track announcer at both, does a super job back there uh, making fresh calls all year long and you know, all decade long. And your first Preakness again, Dave, was when? No, 1991, wow. Hansel. Yeah. Um, yeah, quite a while ago. Twenty. This will be number 28. Yes, it will. And this will be the first Preakness, I have to warn everybody, the first Preakness that will be called uh, 30% off a television monitor. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. you need the, the tents in the infield and the mega stage are so tall this year <laughs> that beginning at about the uh, half-mile pole, four-and-a-half pole, actually, on the main track and the turf, uh, everything is obstructed. There's a small area around the far turn where you can see for about a sixteenth of a mile, maybe less, and then the tents, again, obstructing turf and dirt. So as they edge into the turn, what you see on TV is probably what I'll see uh, in, in calling the race. And it's been that way since day one. Of the meet, I'm gonna work around it, but it's a little bit different, a little tough to get used to, but uh, it can be done, I guess. Sure, and uh, track announcers don't love that situation, but uh, you can well, work yeah, with it. Well, yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, not in a perfect world, you know, because uh, in in looking, and I'm I'm sure if you if you if you talk to anybody who's got binoculars and does this for a living, and you, you it's kind of. Um, it interrupts the flow of the race. So when something is happening and then they disappear behind an obstruction, then you have to regroup. Um, I like to kind of judge the field top to bottom with the binoculars and see the first three or four lengths and kind of scan back. So uh, let's hope uh, let's hope that uh, that the cameraman is spot on around the far turn. <laughs> Yeah, Dave Rodman uh, will be susceptible to some good shooting, and uh, I'm sure you'll handle it quite well. You know the grounds uh, very nicely. Dave Rodman, our guest, uh, and, you know, uh, there's often been a local horse that's, you know, made an impact in the Preakness. I remember way back in the 80s, uh, deputed testimony winning the Preakness, Mm -hmm. and he was a local. Yeah, well, he was a test for Federico Tessio winner. And it looks like Diamond King's going to go. And he won the Federico Tessio at Laurel, which is a win in your end. Okay. I have always been a fan of this horse, thinking that he would have a great local local shot. I say local. He's actually based at Parks. But uh, he, he has journeyed to Maryland to win stakes and obviously won the Federico Tessio and has run well across town at Laurel. He had a few hiccups, a little fever here and there. They had to scratch him out of a stake a few months ago, if I recall. But he seems back on the beam again. And the good thing about him is he has good tactical early speed. He's not a deep closer. And he's a legitimate quality, quality uh, horse. Uh, Diamond King trained by uh, John Service. Of course, we all know the Smarty Jones. Diamond King, all right, the Tessio winner, and of course, uh, every Kentucky Derby winner that Bob Baffert has had has gone on to win the Preakness, and uh, Baffert is just good for a big event, correct, Dave? Well, yeah, he always brings his best, no doubt. You know, um, I guess if you could look at the, that's looking at the bright side of the stat, and then again, everyone said the curse of Apollo would never be broken, too, so... Indeed. <laughs> Look at the other side. Uh, anything can happen, obviously. And even though he looks like a, a standout on paper, Justify has to prove it when the gates open. And that's, of course, the main focus is will he get out of the gate here at Pimlico with a shorter field uh, as cleanly as he did in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so he's the horse everyone will be focused on. Good clean start, no stumbles, no uh, stutter steps. Uh, no, no traffic early in the race that would perhaps put him in a uh, compromising position 
in that opening for a long and a half or two, uh, for a long and a half as they run toward the first turn. Well, as you said, he's going to be a heavy favorite. Justify, undefeated, four for four, winner of the Kentucky Derby, headed toward Pimlico and the Preakness next week. Dave Rodman will call the action. Dave, thanks for the info and the insights. Always good to catch up with you and uh, have some great racing this weekend, and uh, we'll be certainly watching next weekend. Thanks, man. Right. Don't don't forget about Black Eyed Susan Day Friday, which is be a monster day for us as well. He will have guarantees, too, in those and those pick fours like early, middle, and late, and upping the ante on Saturday uh, as well. Black Eyed Susan has really, really grown here in the last three, four, five years. Um, not as big a crowd as Preakness Day, but a lot of people are discovering it's a really nice day to come out to the track and to wager as well. We've got uh, some great races that day. Uh, thanks for that reminder. Great info there as well. Thanks, Dave. Good to catch up with you. Okay, Joe. Take care. Thank you. Dave Rodman, track announcer at Pimlico, and the Classic is getting close. The second jewel can justify, win again. Can he remain undefeated? Uh, He will be a heavy favorite to do so. Let's take a timeout. We're going to come back and talk with Debbie Pabst, Washington Hall of Fame breeder, and we'll be right back. It is Saturday morning, KJR, 9.50 a.m. You're listening to The Win Play Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to The Win Play Show with Joe Withy and Rob Rowe on Sports Radio KJR. Fan of three to perfect, tucked away at the rail. Then comes Tesoro, whistling Rose in stride with that one. Two lengths more, racing up to the outside. Bye-bye, Sal picks up the running now. Three back to Fortune Freud as they bend off the turn and head for home. And homeward bound now with just over a final furlong to go. Spot on has given the slip to him. And spot on strides away by three. Jupiter S in pursuit at the inside. Perfect holiday. But spot on going well under Austin Solis. And spot on indeed. Spot on one it by three. Spot on, won our opening day feature race April 22nd by three lengths. And that was her career debut. She's a daughter of nationhood and sudden departure. Both those horses, stakes winners at Emerald Downs. And uh, the family keeps going further back. Uh, Debbie and Rick Paps, Hall of Fame breeders in the state of Washington, have won so many awards and have done so much for racing. Great to have you here. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, that's always nice when your stud and your mare produce a nice winner right off the bat. Yes, it was really good. And, uh, of course, she's a full sister to Find Your Spot, who was a uh, Washington champion three-year-old filly here. So uh, that's been a really good match. I, I actually bred her back again. We have a yearling full sister, and then I bred her back again <laughs> this year. So The nationhood. Right. Yeah. Sudden departure, stakes winner here back, uh, well, around 2005, right around there. And uh, she was a, a nice race mare as well. And she's been a good broodmare. You said find your spot, state champion. Um, and Nationhood, uh, how did that uh, come to pass that he is standing at your farm? Well, he belonged to some people that I knew from a long time ago. Uh, one of the partners in Marsha was music. You want to talk about how mm. long ago that was? Yeah. And uh, uh, 
they had talked to me about him. Did I think he was good enough to stand at stud and all these different things? And and uh, he actually injured himself in Wasserman's Mile. And uh, I bet on him that day. Did you? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he had beaten Wasserman. Yeah. You know, right. Going a mile. And anyway, he injured himself in that race. And and they tried to bring him back. And they were he was working, but they were they were really nervous about him holding together. So. Uh, he was an, and he was a seven-year-old, I guess, at that point. But they called me up and said, you know, did I want him? And so I went down and and really smoked him over in the barn. And he's, for one thing, he's got a wonderful temperament. He's just the nicest horse. And we had not, all these years we'd been in the business, we'd never stood a stallion. So we were. I yeah. talked to my crew at home. I said, you know, do you want to do this? Do you want to? Because it's a different thing. We haven't done this before. And and uh, but this horse is really pleasant, and I think that he'd be a good starter horse for us. And uh, so we we acquired him. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was a big step after all those years of just having all mares and breeding and foaling at your farm. Uh, how's that worked out for you? Is it? I mean, it's it's a few years now, so you've handled it, and you have Attaboy Royal Course. So, are you glad you did it? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's really funny because the farms that stand stallions, they want the farms that don't stand stallions to think they do some miraculous thing or whatever. The work's done on the mares. That's the truth. I mean, you, you, you know, all the work you do on the mares is is what gets the mares in full. Breeding them takes about 10 minutes, you know, and and it's not even a big part of, of your day. You know, you really, you just go and breed what you have to breed that day and and everything's fine. So, so the stallions, uh, they have been a wonderful addition, both Nationhood and Attaboy Roy. Both of those horses are wonderful temperament horses, and it's really nice to work with them. That's great. Yeah, Attaboy Roy and Nationhood, they both seem pretty darn fertile. We're seeing a lot of runners, and Nationhood has a really good uh winner uh, starter to winner percentage doesn't he he does um if you if you look he has uh, um, if you take out the 12 two-year-olds which of course nobody started their two-year-olds yet yeah um he has i think it's 37 starters and or 35 starters and 27 winners which is a pretty awesome percentage it seems like nationhood can get a runner out of anything i mean he's done some amazing things with mares that were very ordinary so um, Benny can get a good horse if you give him a little better, better mate. So, yeah, he's he's really turned out well and really never had much of a chance because he started at stud during the uh, during the recession and and it was mm. really a tough time to get going. Okay, well the good winning percentage takes note and horses like Spot On certainly make people uh, aware and you know just from a handicapper and, and knowing a little bit about breeding that uh, a miler. Cherokee runs line and a good miler, that is a good starting point for a stud, isn't it? It is for sure. And 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 actually, Nationhood has an incredible female family. It's one of the fanciest in the stud book, to be perfectly honest. And there are two pretty decent stallions. One is the new sensation, Violence, who is out of that female family. And, and also, Tale of Akati is from that female family. And I mean, these are relatively close relations to Nationhood. I mean, they're in his... Within three dams, you know. Yeah. And Attaboy Roy, of course, uh, by Tribunal, his best horse, but uh, also an outstanding female family. And you were a co-breeder of Attaboy Roy. That's right. And and uh, it's kind of a funny story because he was my best horse in, in the sale that year. and But it was not a good year for us. And we were buying horses back left and right. And uh, and Pat Murphy, who is our partner, usually comes to the sale. And she's a, 
she's quite a, a tough gal, and she would not have let me, let him go for $4,500 oh, had she been there. But she wasn't there. I called her up, and I said, I've got all these horses back. we got to take the reserve off of Attaboy Roy. And Well, he wasn't Attaboy Roy then, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and, and she agreed, and, and so Valerie Lund was just delighted, delighted, oh. delighted that Roy Schaefer bought him for $4,500. No and she told me from the beginning that he had been you know when they were breaking him they knew he was something special and and i give her tremendous credit because she managed him in the best possible way i mean he he got every chance to to be the horse that that he became yeah he was a one one just tremendous uh, dynamic charismatic horse and he's at stud at Blue Ribbon Farm in Buckley, run by Rick and Debbie Pabst. And so much to talk with you about, Debbie. Uh, uh, you know, you've actually, just before we go to a break, and you're going to hang on here, but uh, um, Fortune's Freud, uh, Tom Harris mentioned her name in that race that spot on one on April 22nd, and she's back in for her second career start today. And it, it looks like she just didn't get into the race early in her debut. She hopped at the break and, and then broke outwards and you know did a lot of things that horses do when they're when they're first time they're running so anyway her and by the way it's fortunes freude freude okay. is is the german Thank word you. for joy and uh, so so Thank anyway you. that i i happen to think uh, freud is a particularly wonderful stallion he stood his whole career in new york and the reason i sent the mare to new york was because my daughter is a reproductive veterinarian equine reproductive veterinarian in new york so i can get my horses well taken care of there but anyway uh, um so now now yeah. are you calling your daughter for advice once in a while oh occasionally it's been known <laughs> that's good <laughs> no. that's great yeah she grew up on the farm uh in Buckley. Um, hey, let's take a break. You have the Washington Broodmare program, and you're also going to help us out on Mother's Day, which is just such a great addition to every Mother's Day at Emerald Downs for about the last 10 years. So Debbie Papps joining us on the Win Play Show, and we'll be back momentarily right here, KJR 950 AM. You're listening to the Win Play Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Win Play Show with Joe Withy and Rob Rao on Sports Radio KJR. Thanks for joining us on the Win Play Show. And we are here with Debbie Paps, Debbie and her husband Rick, Hall of Fame breeders uh, since, uh, I think you said the other day, 1973 at Blue Ribbon Farm in Buckley. And uh, you mentioned uh, foaling season is over now. Yeah, pretty much for, for us it is. We we fold 25 mares this spring, and good luck, all, all foals alive and doing well. Great. And we're done with that now, and, and we're glad that we're done with that because that's a process. Yeah. But uh, we Wait. are, of course, in the max of the breeding season because, you you know, you're just some of the mares are that didn't get in foal earlier. You're rebreeding them. You're breeding the ones that just foaled recently. You're and all that sort of stuff. You're checking again the ones that got in fall earlier in the year. So it's a pretty busy time at the farm for sure. Sure. And uh, there was an event uh, this past week at Emerald Downs, a memorial service for one uh, Dr. Bud Halliwell, who passed last fall at the age of 85. Uh, what a tremendous life and how many people he touched and all the stories that uh, we heard this week about Dr. Halliwell. And you were so close to him too. And uh, you were, of course, one of the speakers, Debbie. 
Yeah, Bud was uh, our first veterinarian at the farm, and uh, our and and he was a reproductive specialist, and he was at that time the best in the state. There's no question about that. And I had to be a little clever to get him to work for us because we were new and all that sort of thing. So um, I called him up in the fall when he wasn't too busy and all that sort of thing, and he and uh, and he added us to his roster. I didn't say. Um, add us to your roster I said could you come and deworm these horses and you know that sort of thing and and he came and and then um, we got along really well so uh, so he came to work for us um, he also was very important in mentoring um, our daughter mm. Miranda Miranda's Gosselin who is a reproductive veterinarian equine reproductive veterinarian in Millbrook New York and uh, that she knew from an early age she wanted to be a veterinarian and I'm sure that it was Bud that was such a great influence on that. Tremendous yeah we heard so many stories about people he touched all the way back to his grade school and high school days and college and uh, some of the snowmobiling and boxing and uh, all his uh, trips with Jim Penny but uh, uh, yeah some nice words there. Debbie Paps joining us here and tell us about the Washington Broodmare program. Of course we have the Washington Club for people that want to get into horse ownership and this is just a little different angle with a horse. Right. Well, we we formed we we attempted to form a Washington Broodmare Club, and a different person tried, and and um, they were going to go buy mares in Kentucky and do all these things, and and it got very expensive. So the problem with this is it's a long-range project. I couldn't figure out any way to do it in less than five years. So so basically, um, I I went to John Parker and asked him if I could lease a mare from him. I knew he had a young mare that would really do well for the program, and John was, as always, more than helpful and yeah. and allowed us to to lease Dance with Effie, who's a half sister to uh, Gold Rush Dancer, and also who had made close to eighty thousand dollars, six races, five of which I think he, she won at Emerald, and and fast. really a nice mare and fast. Yes, right. And so I put her in the program, basically, and uh, we bred her last year at Attaboy Roy. And she, this spring, she, she had her first thoroughbred foal on the farm, which was a colt by Attaboy Roy. So we're going to bring her tomorrow yep. at Mother's Day, and you get a chance to see her and the, and the colt. And um, he, is, he is quite a character. He is just the friendliest. He loves people. Mm. And you walk out in the field, and he, she, he could be anywhere, and he just goes and... He'll be right there in your face. That's great. And, uh, well, hopefully he won't jump the, the, the wall and go into the crowd. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He'll stay with his good, his friends there in the paddock and so on. I think you said he was born February 2nd. Correct. So that is, again, a great treat on Mother's Day. A mare and a young foal dance with Effie and her foal, a colt by Attaboy Roy. They'll be in the paddock and out on the track and back in the paddock. You can get a good view of them and uh, a great touch on Mother's Day. And so... Yeah, again, so much to talk to with Debbie Pabst about. She's involved in every aspect, of course, with the WTBOA as well. And, and uh, hey, thanks for coming by this morning, Debbie. Have a great season. Good luck. And spot on, she's probably, I think Kay said she's, Kay Cooper said she's headed toward the Seattle Stakes a week from tomorrow. That's correct. That's, uh, you know, and Blue Ribbon Racing uh, 16 is all excited about that. I so. bet. Great debut. Spot on's one for one. Thanks to Debbie Paps for joining us. We'll take a time out here and come back. It is Saturday morning, KJR Sports Radio, 9.50 a.m. You're listening to The Win Play Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio, 9.50 KJR. 
Now back to the Win Play Show with Joe Withy and Rob Rowe on Sports Radio KJR. Thanks much to our guests today, Dave Rodman and Debbie Pabst. And tomorrow we're going to have on Frank Lucarelli and John Lindley. And Mach 1 Rules, horse of the meeting in action tomorrow against Barkley. So lucky. Uh, and Grinder Sparks a Glow, the Portland Mile winner, is in there as well. Uh, keep in mind, Emerald Downs Weekly every Thursday night at 11 p.m. and then replayed again Friday morning at 9 a.m. That's on NBC Sports Northwest, Channel 179 on Comcast Cable, Emerald Downs Weekly. We do a little reviewing and previewing on the show. And, of course, the Win Play Show tomorrow at 8 a.m., on uh, KJR, tomorrow's Mother's Day. Racing today, 2 p.m. And uh, Rob, uh, let's see. I was on Remember to Breathe, and your top choice again. Was... I'll go with I'll go with the press, even though I said That's... I think he's you know a little maybe a little bit dubious in there. I, I'll, I'll go with the press. I think this is a big class relief, so I think he'll get the job done at a fairly modest price. Okay. Hey, we are about out of time. Thanks to Adam down at the station, and have a great Saturday. This is KJR Sports Radio 950.